Today's reading is from Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 20. You can find it at the back of your bulletin. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that we are cause great joy to all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see the things that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what has been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Great. Well, thank you, Lin Ying. Oh, one of the most famous Christmas stories, uh, Christmas stories that we tell around Christmas time, is of course a Christmas Carol. Uh, many of you will know uh, this story. There's many adaptations of this story. It's a book. It's been turned into movies, stage adaptations. Uh, my favorite version is, of course, the Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, Kermit the Frog is is a great character in that one. Uh, But A Christmas Carol tells the story of one man, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, how he's transformed. He's transformed from a mean, uh, hard-nosed, greedy, uh, unfeeling man into one who's generous, who's uh, giving and kind, uh, who's joyful. After the ghosts kind of show him what his life of greed uh, could lead to, he wakes up with a chance to change his ways. Uh, and though the, the night before he was this picture of gloom and greed, the very next morning he becomes a picture of joy. Uh, he says, I'm as light as a feather. I'm as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. It's a great scene. I don't know about you, but uh, it's hard to watch this scene and not feel the same kind of joy that, that Scrooge feels as he skips around his home, as, he, uh, as he, you see this joy. You could think of other Christmas stories as well. Uh, there's a whole host of them where, where things start by looking really bad. Uh, the main character is kind of this Grinch or this grumpy person. But by the end, things are reversed. They are transformed. We love these kind of stories don't we? We love stories about evil uh, turning into good, about bad guys becoming good guys. I think one of the reasons we love these stories is that we long to be part of them. 
doesn't something inside all of us yearn for the evil to be destroyed and for good to win, for fear and anger to turn into great joy? And not just, not just out there in general, but we long for this to happen to us in our own lives, in our own communities. Well, this passage uh, read to us in Luke's gospel is similarly a story of great reversals, of transformation. In fact, the angel's announcement that night in Bethlehem brought the greatest transformation that ever took place. And the best thing about this story, unlike a Christmas carol, the story is real. It actually happened in history. Not only did it happen, but you and I are invited to be a part of it, uh, to have uh, the same kind of joy, to have lives that move from fear and sorrow into great joy. That's what the story of Christmas offers. So let me ask you, uh, looking at your life this morning, would you call your own story a story of joy? Jesus offers joy to us this Christmas. Uh, To see this, we'll see three uh, reversals that Christmas brings. Uh, See those uh, on your notice sheet as well. So the first, Christmas turns bad news into good news. So we see that there's shepherds. Uh, They're living out in their fields nearby, uh, this nearby Bethlehem, where Jesus was just born, and they were working, they were tending their sheep. Uh, Verse 9, they were minding their own business when an angel of the Lord appears to them, and the glory of the Lord shines around them. They were terrified. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. What is this news? Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So there's good news brought about by this this baby. What's the good news? It's that a Savior has been born. Not just any regular Savior. This This is the Messiah. This is the Lord. This is God himself come to the earth as a Savior. If you're reading carefully, at this point, you might ask, a savior of what? Uh, Who needs to be saved? Uh, Why does the world need a savior? Uh, The only way this makes any sense, the only reason God would incredibly become a baby and enter our world as a savior is if someone needed saving, if, if the world was in real danger. I think we'd all agree that in some sense, uh, the world around us needs rescue. Uh, Just read the news, for example. As we read on in scripture, though, we find that the ones who need saving aren't just out there. No, it's, it's everyone. It's you and it's me. Uh, This is what you could call the, the bad news of Christmas. We can contribute to the darkness, to the injustice, to the evil that we see in this world, whether we admit it or not. Uh, You see, the story of the Bible is the story of how God created us uh, to be with him, to be in relationship with him. 
But we all, by nature, have chosen to ignore him, to, to go our own way rather than follow him. And even when we've tried to please him, even when we do attempt to live in his ways, we, we come up short. All our thoughts, our actions are, are marred by this selfish desire to place me first before God. The Bible says that no one is, is exempt from this. Romans 3 tells us all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. Friends, we are in desperate need of rescue. That is the bad news of Christmas. You see, it's not just that we're walking along fine and Jesus comes to boost our happiness or to, to help us with life's problems. No, the picture is that we're drowning. Uh, we're drowning in the ocean of, of our rebellion against a holy and a perfect God. The more we try to climb our way out, the further we actually sink. And the shepherds knew this well. Uh, verse 9, uh, what happens to them when they see the glory of the Lord shining? They were terrified. When God's glory interacts with human beings, this is the outcome. Not joy, but terror, fear. But it's as we come to terms with this darkness that the good news of Christmas shines that much brighter. You see, the, the joy of Christmas starts right here with seeing and accepting the truth, the truth about ourselves. Uh, it's, it's Ebenezer Scrooge looking into the future, seeing his need for rescue, his desperate situation. That is the turning point in the story. Have you come to grips with this? But friends, that's what Christmas does. Christmas turns our bad news into good news. Because here is what's wonderful. Uh, that baby in the manger carried with him everything that sinners need. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Listen to this. God's response to our rebellion uh, wasn't to yell at us, uh, wasn't to destroy us, wasn't to cast us aside, it wasn't even to, to whip us into shape. God's response was to give us himself. He is the great, uh, redeeming, transforming gift. He is the rescue. He is the forgiveness. He is the reconciliation. How would he do this? Well, verse 14, the angels say, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Jesus would be a savior by bringing peace, by bringing peace with God, despite all we've done against him. Jesus grew up to live the perfect life of obedience to God that we could never hope to live. And even though he was the only person to never sin, he took on the punishment for sin that you and I rightly deserved. He rose again then after three days, showing that he defeated death and sin for all who trust in him. And now through turning away from sin, by placing our faith and trust in Jesus and what he's done, our record of sin is wiped away. He lifts us up out of the water that we were drowning in, gives us peace with God. He adopts us as his children. 
He gives us life with him forever so that not even death will separate us from him. This is good news. And it's this good news that changes, uh, that changes us in the next reversal from fear into great joy. So just as the shepherds, uh, they're terrorized by what they see, uh, just as they, their fear of God's glory was replaced with great joy as they hear the angel's announcement, so our lives, once characterized by fear, uh, by shame, by anxiety about the future, is replaced by unhindered joy. Not a superficial or temporary joy, but, but a deep and a lasting one. Uh, so often, when you think about joy, uh, we think about happiness, right? Uh, being in a good mood. When things are going well, we're joyful. When things are hard, well, then not so much. Perhaps around Christmas time, uh, we'll be particularly joyful in this, in this sense. Uh, there's time off work. There's travel, visiting with family and friends, uh, good food. All these things tend to bring us some joy, some measure of joy. But of course, none of them last. Once Christmas is over, the lights are taken down, uh, the Christmas trees are thrown away, one of the worst days in my household, many tears are shed. Once a uh, uh, visiting family uh, return back home. And then for others of us, Christmas actually is the, the opposite of joy-filled. If we're honest, uh, Christmas is the time we feel the most stressed, maybe the most burdened by all that's expected of us, all that's required of us at, at work or at home or at school. And so when we hear this call to be joyful, uh, even from the good news of Jesus, it can come across kind of as, as trite or unrealistic. It's like my teacher uh, back in elementary school who used to tell us, uh, turn that frown upside down. You know, uh, that's what the call to joy can feel like, can it? Uh, just be happy. It's easy, right? The Christmas story offers a different, a deeper, and a richer kind of joy. Why? Well, because Christmas joy is feeling and believing in our bones that the creator of this world loves us with an unending love, that he's for us that he'll do whatever it takes to restore us to him, that he's willing to go to unimaginable lengths, even to the point of entering our world as a helpless child, then to dying in our place in order to make a way for us to be with him forever. Christmas joy is being secure in his promise to be with us now in our happiness and our sorrow and to take us home with him one day when he returns. This is, is Christmas joy. You see, the logic of Christmas joy goes something like this. Uh, if God loved you enough to do all that for you, what won't he do for you now? What ways won't he comfort you now? What ways won't he care for you where you are now? Or as Romans 8 32 puts it, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? 
When you've grasped God's love for you at Christmas, your story becomes a story of joy. Uh, uh, not a turn that frown upside down kind of joy, but a, a, a joy that uh, when, when sorrows and grief and tears still come, it persists. It persists in hardship because nothing can take away God's love for you. Not sickness, not broken relationships, not your own mistakes and failures, and not even death. But friends, it gets even better than this. And not only do we see fear becoming great joy, we also see that this joy uh, starts from being accessible to some people to now all people. Verse 10 tells us this good news will cause great joy for all, for all the people. Uh, before this point, who could be part of God's family? Uh, those of Jewish descent, the Israelites, uh, the national people of God. Uh, God's favor was reserved to this people group to, to make his glory known to the nations. But now this great reversal was happening. This joy was to be for all, to those close to God and those far away from him to those who'd already heard of him and, and those who have never heard. You can imagine uh, what these shepherds were thinking. Like, wait, this savior is coming for us? Don't you know who we are? Uh, we're just kind of, kind of blue collar guys, uh, low class workers. Why would God send the angels to them? It's because this joy is for all people. Uh, Jesus was born for ordinary, for regular people like you and me. I think, unfortunately, there are many ways in which uh, we've conceived that this joy really isn't for us. Uh, perhaps if, because of who we are, because of what we've done, maybe because of what we're experiencing in our lives uh, right now. We may hear God loves us, that we can have joy, but on a, on a feeling, on a heart level, I wonder if we feel that, you know, this is good news of great joys for all the people who have their lives together. This is great joy uh, for all people whose faith is, is really rock solid, who never have doubts or failures. It's for all people who, who have been really successful in their lives. It's for all people who are really impressive and and talented. Friends, hear this. The most radical claim of Christmas is, is not merely that Jesus became a baby. It's not even that Jesus came for all people. It's that he came for you. You, with all your cares, all your experiences, your, your failures, your doubts, your imperfections, your, your hardships, Friend, Christ is born for you. We all know the carol as we just sung earlier, O Come All You Faithful. I wonder if you, you know the version called O Come All You Unfaithful. Uh, here's, how, here's how the first verse of that goes. O come, all you unfaithful. Come, weak and unstable. Come, know you are not alone. O come, barren and waiting ones, weary of praying, come, see what your God has done. Christ is born, Christ is born, Christ is born for you. 
friends, this is the invitation of Christmas. This is the invitation the angels gave that holy night. This is the invitation Jesus would give uh, to all of us later in his life as well. And Matthew 11 says this, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Whoever you are, however you find yourself this Christmas, this joy is for you, friend. And so let me ask you, uh, what story do you find yourself in this morning? The Christmas story invites you into a, a story of great reversals, one that changes bad news into good news, from fear into great joy, from some people into all people, including you. Is this story your story? If you're here this morning and uh, you find yourself not yet a part of God's a story, how might you become a part of it? Well, perhaps you can do as, as we see the shepherds do here in verse 15. After they hear the angels speak of this good news, uh, what do they do? Let's go. Well, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Go and see. Now, friends, you've heard the message. Uh, you've heard it this morning. Uh, but what will you do? Uh, grab a person uh, who brought you here, uh, maybe a friend. Uh, look at Jesus together. Ask questions. Ask God uh, to show you, is this really true? Because what if it is? Uh, that possibility alone should cause you at least to explore, to go and see if this is really true. What could you lose? And then for those of us who do find ourselves as part of God's story of joy, maybe, maybe it doesn't feel like it at the moment. Maybe life's hardships, life's busyness has, has crowded out the joy in your life. I wonder if you'd benefit from doing what we see Mary do in verse 19. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What better way to reawaken joy than to set aside the busyness of your life long enough to treasure, to ponder what the Lord has done and what he will do for you? Won't you take hold of the joy that Christmas brings? Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, we, we thank you. We thank you for... Uh, for offering us lasting joy at Christmas. We know, Lord, our lives won't always be filled with good things. Uh, sorrow and suffering uh, will come. And yet we thank you that when we trust in Jesus and become part of your story, our lives, uh, our lives are, are bookended by your love and care, uh, the relief of forgiveness, the hope of life with you forever. And that brings us joy. We, we pray that this joy might characterize us more and more this Christmas and, and into the new year. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.